Merry Christmas, Tom! Merry Christmas, Heron, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Stone Eight Christmas special. There you go. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't have any topics relating to Christmas here, but we might just work it out somehow. Well, I think we just did. Perhaps so. <laughs> So, it's been an ordinary amount of time since we last spoke. I'm going to add some explanation in some of the topics this evening, but do you have any topics? Oh, I got a couple. I've, I've watched a few movies in the past couple of weeks, and um, I want to recommend four of them. Wow. Yeah, it's unusual. Yes. You know? uh, one is called Meru, M-E-R-U. Mm. It's, it's a documentary about the... A, the first successful climb of a peak in the Himalayas that had been tried for 30 years and nobody could do it. Mm. It's like a 6,000-foot ver- vertical granite wall. Mm. <laughs> you know? And um, one, of the film, one of the climbers is a filmmaker. Mm. And so, uh, so they filmed the, the whole thing. And um, it was just a, a stunning experience. Uh, to, to 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 observe this and just be with these guys, and I, I I really almost laughed out loud watching it. It just astounding how people commit themselves to such hardship and danger. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's just you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, Do you just, watch many mountain climbing documentaries? No, I, I don't. I think it's a genre in and of itself. I oh, would, yeah. yeah. Yeah, go ahead. And I think the quality that you now get associated with mountain climbing documentaries, and they're now like fictional, well, they're, they're kind of, I don't know what you want to call it. They're documentaries in f- fictional film form, like they're accounts basically as well. So this genre, particularly when it's done in standard cinema as opposed to documentary, always has now with 3D and these kind of things. I would typically watch maybe four or five of these a year. And what strikes me about the genre is the, I don't know whether it's, it's strange to use the term cliched now, because there are so many different climbs, so many different stories. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty elemental story. Mm. <laughs> you know, there isn't a, there's not a lot of complication. Well, there, well, there are, yes. <laughs> yeah, but, but, uh, but those are the human complications. And mm. that's what's so interesting, just the fact that people would put themselves into that situation. Mm. You know, is just. I mean, I live fairly safely physically. I I, I don't mind living dangerously epistemologically, <laughs> but but I'm not real big on physical danger. Yes. You know. Have you known it, people that climbed? Yeah, I have. Yeah. One, the guy I did music with, the doctor, uh, mm. climbed Aconcagua in mm. in South America, which is like the third highest peak in the world, or mm. you know, outside of the Himalayas. I mean, yes. But, um, but he was fucking nuts. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, yes. I mean, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think I've think- had a friend that's actually climbed that, and also the one in Africa as well, and she's completely nuts as well. Yeah, it takes a certain well, it, it was just a fan. The, there's so many differences between this kind of climb and the Himalayan stuff, where you Certainly. got five thousand Sherpas carrying your shit up here. Yeah, this was this is a, a peak called Meru, and they were doing what's called the shark's fin ascent, mm-hmm. and um, 
There's no Sherpas there. This is out in the middle Certainly. of fucking nowhere. They yes. had to walk themselves in, yes. you know, and carry their own shit up this 6,000-foot granite wall. Yeah. You know, I, it's not my idea of fun. Mm. <laughs> you know? And it was the granite wall... The granite wall is the most difficult route up, or is it the only route up? No, oh, no. Other people have made it up. Other routes, no. I mean, ah, okay. So it's this one has wall. been attempted a number of times, uh-huh. but no one had made it. Yeah. And this was their third attempt, and the the second time they got to within like a hundred yards of the top and couldn't make it any further. You know, they yes. Well, it's all to do with night and things as well, isn't it? Well, it's just a whole bunch of shit. You know, I mean, it's yes. just, uh, like I say, it's not something I'm particularly familiar with, except I've done a lot of backpacking. Mm. And so, I mean, I have some experience in the wilderness, but I mean, this is just, and I did, I, I went backpacking once in the snow. Mm. That was the last time I, I decided very clearly after <laughs> the second day that I was never going to do this again. Yes. <laughs> that was not fun at all. Yeah. <laughs> You're literally carrying, I mean, you, it's like walking through, I mean, depending on how the snow is, how high it is, but it's, it's like. Oh, snowshoes. That's yeah. another thing. I'd, I'd never worn snowshoes before. And yeah. Have you ever walked in snow with snowshoes? I, I've not done that. I've waded through snow, yeah. but I've not done yeah, it no, well, It's entirely different. Yeah. It uses different, you have to use different sets of muscles in yeah. your legs in different ways than you normally do. Yeah. And my calves were just in. God, just in agony, you know, after uh, like a half hour of walking. Yeah. You know, it's just, it was just miserable. But, but in any case, the the movie was just, it just brought up all sorts of stuff for me. You know, it was just fascinating to watch. And, and, but again, just think that these guys live to put themselves in that situation. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's just. (laughs) <laughs> it's a great way for creating stories. I mean, this is an amazing opportunity to, you know, to generate stories which are probably actually very interesting to hear and clearly translate well to the documentary form. The stories, you mean, of the, the climbers? Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, of course, they have to have a quite peculiar story going on in their head Yes. to be doing this kind of shit. Yes. You know, I mean, it's just uh, – and they're not young guys either. No. Uh, one of the guys was like 50 at the yeah. time, you know. But in, I mean, obviously in incredible <laughs> shape, you know. Certainly. Uh, anyway – a couple of curious things I know. Uh, the film went was not just on the mountain. It was also preparation and Certainly. various other personal well, issues. That introduces know. the characters. Yeah, right. right. An yeah. And method. they all had Max. Yes. <laughs> of course. Yes. <laughs> well, it's not cheap. I mean, to do these kind of expeditions is actually quite expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of them go with sponsors and things because it's so oh, expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know... That gets done on Everest, on these on these kinds of claims. Oh, I, I I don't I'm not quite sure. This guy had already made some films, so he might have they might have been silly funded. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, they they talk about that, but I just didn't pay much attention mm. to that. But that's that's clearly part of it. Uh, yeah. And 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 the final takeaway from it, it was. It, I mean, these guys are extraordinary human beings. I mean, good. I mean, not good, not bad. Just, just extraordinary, mm. you know. And and yet, their own language machines <laughs> can can put them in very interesting positions. Certainly. And uh, one of the things that just stunned me 
about the whole thing is they're like 3,000 feet up this vertical granite face, and they have these special uh, enclosures that they hang on the wall, and they can sleep and spend the night in it, you know. And uh, after a long, hard day's climb up 4,000 feet of vertical granite, the first thing they did when they got things set up was to smoke a fucking cigarette. (laughs) Yes. I I just well they really lower oxygen know what too to do with yes that, you know? yeah <laughs> they got a bunch I, of oxygen cylinders around I, them as well I'm assuming no no they didn't have any at all they didn't take any oxygen interesting no no yeah. no, no because they had to haul all again they had to haul everything up this fucking mountain I understand you know? so that means they're going up and down yeah there's a limited time frame yeah. to do this in because of the weather and everything you know so uh, no there it's it's just logistically it's a fascinating story you know yes. how three two is not enough and four is too many four means you need another enclosure because yeah. the biggest ones that are available apparently only handle three people. So, yes. so uh, well, anyway, it was it was just a, a fascinating film called Meru M E R U, and um, I recommend it highly. I also watched, and as a result of that, I watched this relatively new movie called Everest. Yes, and uh, I enjoyed that. That was good, but you know. So you're actually moving into the genre now. You've had an entry, a genre entry film. And now you're actually starting to explore the genre of mountain... Well, no, I've seen mountain climbing yeah. movies before. I mean, that's nothing new, really. I yes. mean, yeah, so... They the, do produce a quantity of them a year, though. Well, as well as crimes and romances. But the crimes and romances are considerably easier to film than climbing mountains. Oh, yeah, well, you got... Yeah, well, yeah. That, <laughs> that was an... Inter- and actually reading about the making of both of these films... Mm. Probably is is in and and reading about the making of another film uh, that I'm going to recommend uh, mm. also uh, is related to this. It, that movie was called The Revenant. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of it. it I think it's relatively new. Um, and anyway, it's about a a guy in the 1830s who's a who's a, a kind of guide and uh, to trappers and stuff. Anyway. Uh, where specifically the U.S. or the U.K. Oh, or? oh, the, oh yeah, the the U.S. Okay. out in the the wilderness and where the Indians are and certainly and uh, where the bears are. Yeah. Is it Leonardo DiCaprio? Is that his? Yeah, yeah, okay. that's the one. Yeah, and again, this was just a remarkable film visually. For, yes, I actually and, want to see this film. So, oh yeah, yeah. Try oh, not to give oh, any hair and stone patented spoilers through this. Oh, you haven't doesn't. seen it yet. Okay. I don't even know if it's in cinemas yet. Otherwise, I would have gone. I think you probably okay, got yeah. this on some uh, black yeah. market site. So. Oh me? <laughs> <laughs> no, and actually, you know, a lot of that stuff comes out, but it's usually really crappy. You know, camera things shot and everything. Yeah. But this was really high quality. Can you save the spoilers until I've seen this one? I too well, I would like to see this I, one. So. I, won't, I won't give any. I, it's just, I, I tell you, observe carefully when the bear attacks him. Because okay. it's clearly, well, it's not, I mean, it wasn't clear to me at all. I mean, I, there have been several movies where there were sort of lead animal characters that were uh, CGI. Mm. And, and I'm assuming this is too. Hmm. But goddamn, it's the best CGI I've ever seen. It's Very just good. stunning sequences. Yeah, and and then also the difficulties. Th- this movie was shot in natural light in these surroundings. There's no sets, no nothing. Hmm. 
know, and they only had a couple hours a day. And there's a whole bunch of technical difficulties. Uh, with with making this film and hardships on the actors. Yeah, but that oftentimes makes the best films. I mean, lots of films... This is what fascinates me about the film-making like, process is, I mean, films like Saving Private Ryan and these kind of things, they actually... I think all the... Um, Everybody got yeah post-traumatic yeah. stress yeah. disorder after exactly that was that was the yeah. thing you know <laughs> Full Metal Jacket. I mean, these kind of yeah. films they went through the entire process to try yeah. and you know capture some degree of realism. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they 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 really did that in this movie quite well. It's it's a stunning. Uh, yeah, just I really was just am- amazed by uh, some of the scenes. You know, and, and that's one of the nice things about you know good CGI is it's not like Star Wars CGI. Mm. You know, I mean, a lot of times you don't even know it's CGI. It's just an it interesting just shot. Yes. You know, that's all. And then and then when you begin to understand how films are made and read about this stuff and you realize you know and uh, well, anyway this was uh, well it's a it's a heron recommendation i'm looking forward to seeing it at some stage as well yeah okay and then uh sicario mm. w- uh with two of my favorite actors again and uh what's his name josh brolin i mm-hmm. guess uh he was in the everest thing too mm. um but um he and Benicio del Toro are, ah, yes. are, are both a favorite of mine as well. Yeah, yeah, I like them both. Yeah, and um, it's just and, you know, and I didn't know what the word Sicario actually meant. Mm. I, I always just assume it was a takeoff on Sicko, mm. but it's not. Mm. Well, don't spoil us because this is another. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! This is um, not a spoiler at all. It's just okay. the word Sicario means hitman. Yes, yes, or. or you know, assassin or something yeah. like that. But it, it does, it's not just a thing on sicko, you know, mm. which is what I had always sort of figured it out to be. But mm. so that was interesting. No, it's, uh, it's just a quite interesting, you're watching the movie from the perspective of somebody who doesn't quite get what's going on. Yes, which you is think, actually a good way of... Yes, yes. what well, puts you in this perfect yes. position is what the fuck is, who are all these people and what am I doing here? Yes. <laughs> it's an interesting, I mean, the whole framing of that, I tried to do that with Field of Chaos, and the whole framing, people expect, more so in books than they do in cinema, that they are going to get a well-formed story where they can leave the experience having a full understanding of everything that was concerned. Well, not so much in modern uh, writing, Well, prior to the last 30 or 40 years, that was probably... Well, lots gone on in the past 30 or 40 years. I I would have said the past 20 years, probably. Yeah. But I do agree with you in large part. Um, But yeah, cinema, it's now an often used technique to have at least one twist and turn. There are... Terrible examples in cinema, however, where there are just too many plots. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to watch it four times to figure it out. Yeah, but the first experience (laughs) isn't enough to draw you back. I recently went and saw... Oh, I I saw Straight Out of Compton, and then we went and saw the Mission Impossible movie. So my wife would have... She wasn't particularly interested in Straight Out of Compton, although she really enjoyed it. But the Mission Impossible movie was just insane numbers of plots... Oh, yeah. You know, six plots just going in all different directions. It's just like, I'm bored. I was bored with the first yeah. three, and then you tack on another three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, that <laughs> one compelling plot is like about as good as it can get. Yeah, <laughs> you know? well, yes, but <laughs> maybe um, two. <laughs> there's a technique where you take three to six incidental characters 
and then weave the story together so they all come together. Yeah, at a yeah, that, point. that can that can work. It can work. It's not always a guarantee. It can be overhanded yeah. in some cases. But yeah. Yes, I've yeah. seen several movies that use precisely that technique, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's that, it can work. <laughs> yes. So, of your films, two of them are films that I want to see. Do you have another one? Yeah. One, uh, well, yeah. Um, it's called The Lobster. Ooh. I haven't <laughs> heard of The Lobster. Uh, and it is one very strange movie. I don't know what I, – I'm not sure I want to say anything about it. It's, it's, a, it's a sort of science fiction in a bizarre world in which you, you, you cannot – nobody can be single. Uh, if you are single, you know, like if you're married and your wife leaves you, hmm. then, then you go to this hotel or this place, and all the people who are single go there, and uh, and they have like sixty or ninety days to find a mate, hmm. and if not, they get turned into an animal hmm. of their of their choice, and this oh, okay. guy chooses to become a lobster. Uh, it wouldn't have been my choice. Well, <laughs> not nor mine, but you know. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm not going to say anything more about it. It's Certainly. got some big name actors in it, interesting, which is sort of surprising because it's a bizarre little film. Yeah. <laughs> but but I found it quite entertaining. <laughs> it's very interesting actually because I I left the dating world before the internet had seriously arrived, and now there are so many. I was I watch I subscribe to various people on YouTube. And I was watching uh, this one woman talk about the dating apps that exist currently. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there are half a dozen, including a serious dating app for people that love bacon. It's called <laughs> Sizzle. And it was created by Oscar Mayer. Yeah. Uh, initially as a joke. That's great. And then they actually, st- like, people actually started meeting through it and, yeah. like, getting married and stuff. God, associated with their love of bacon. Apology one. Yeah. <laughs> Might not be quite as popular as bacon, but we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> but no, it was fascinating to hear the various reviews associated with these apps because for, for the young, and it, now being single is almost like a choice. Like you want to have as yeah, many so, sexual partners yeah. as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are so many apps out there catering for, you know, all variety of folk. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it was yeah but it's a whole different world now. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. that's, that's going to change everything. I had to- it's funny, actually, because I went through the process of buying your birthday gift yesterday, <laughs> and I was trying to find Sunset Blush delivery services for you. And <laughs> delivery service. Yes, well, there are there are five apps. That's right, you can get pajamas yeah. delivered. <laughs> there are five apps that cater to, in the L.A. area, and you might understand the problem when we talk a little bit further, it will deliver alcohol to you through the app. But unfortunately, okay. none of them will go to Garden Grove. <laughs> they, some of them have maps, which makes it a little easier. I was typing in your address, frustrated beyond all belief last night, just to try and get you some Sunset Blush and just gave up after about an hour and a half. Oh, what a shame. But um, no, this, this thing associated, and to do something specifically on apps, not to do it, I mean, these dating sites are specifically app dating sites. They're not on computers. They're strictly on mobile devices. Well, they're on, okay, they're on uh, iOS and Android. Android, yes, exactly. And and they don't they don't have Windows or OS X. They don't have websites. Well, okay. Oh, they don't have websites mm. either. Okay. They only have mobile presences. And similarly Imagine, with these, well, that's a that would make sense. You know, you're going to limit what you're going to do. You mm. know, you just do that. Yeah, mm. sort of weird, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it changes the interface. The, most of the dating sites seem to have swipe technology, 
where mm-hmm. like you either like or you dislike just with simple swipes. Yeah, so that you're makes being sense. Fed, yeah. You know, tens of people an hour. Yeah, and tap. Can, you tap it to see more and swipe it to go on to the next one. Yes, right? exactly. yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, it's fascinating. And what do you see? You see just a picture? I've never actually, funnily enough, I mean, maybe not funnily enough, but I've never actually used any, I was just incidentally seeing this YouTube review, and the YouTube reviewer didn't show any of the features, she just described basically what each of them was. Um, And yeah, it just struck me that it's, when I started It's a whole different world, and it's changed so much. I mean, when I was here in the late 90s, early 2000, there were all these companies that were talking about when mobile takes off, and I had a what did I have? A Palm device. And I'm like, I, yeah, I had a Palm device. I loved it. I already have a Palm yeah. device. You know, mobile's going to take off. And it took, what, eight years to probably seriously take off sufficient that you could when have... did When did you see it? When did it take off? Was it with the iPhone? I would really? say, yes, it really was. The iPhone was the start. I would say 2008. Yeah. I mean, prior to then... The I mean, there, it was of, all there, but it was, yeah. I yeah. Mean, OS was great, yeah. sort of, but... <laughs> well, and, you know, you had things like the Newton, which were never allowed to continue oh, that on. Never and, anywhere. Yeah. yeah, so you had all these kind of failure, kind of stutter-step starts. And then finally, 2008, 2008, which is when the price became reasonable and the devices yeah. became more omnipresent. Yeah, well, it was the iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that really made the web sort of usable. Yeah. Well, you know, on that a was a big device. deal. Yes. Huh? On a handheld device. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it was great on your computer, but yeah. on a phone, you know. I mean, it still was pretty fucked up, but yeah. but it, it was at least sort of usable, you know. Yeah. If you have an iOS device or an Android device and you're young, being single now is actually a choice that people are making. Whereas my experience of being single in, you know, my late teens and early 20s was I was just in dysfunctional social relationships. The idea that the internet and these mobile devices have removed the notion of dysfunctional social relationships because the social pool is now huge, as opposed to my experience in Australia where my social yeah. pool Oh, sure, was, yeah, you're stuck with the people who live exactly. within a few miles. Well, that you know you. as well. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, removes all of that and enables people to yeah. know, pair up, yeah. find the right people, or choose yeah. to be single. Yeah. Well, but I think still, though, you know... Deep down, everybody, or not everybody, but most Americans anyway, really want to be in love with one person and get married. (laughs) Well, that's what's interesting about this, because this reviewer made it perfectly clear that she had, she'd been in a few relationships, a couple of long-term relationships, 26 now. Enjoying being single, enjoying meeting as many oh, women yeah. as possible. Yeah. And she didn't care about being in love because she'd had those experiences. Yeah. What she was interested in doing was actually, and I, I think the kids today use the term, at least with regards to men, I don't know if there's a female version, but she used the term fuckboy to represent the guys that she'd <laughs> yeah. go and meet and, you know, yeah. have one night things with. Well, that's because she's young. I mean, once you've gotten that out of your system, <laughs> then then yes. the issue is just to find someone who's at least sort of conscious. Yes. And, and whether you're fucking them or not, be grateful. Yes. But no, I think the whole, the whole I mean, it's, it's the internet age. This is what I reflect frequently, actually, that although... I'm generally negative associated with some of these things. I'm forever impressed that slowly but surely we've gotten to the point where I thought we would be in a few aspects of, of civilization. I mean, obviously, politically, still dark ages and a variety <laughs> of other things. But at least we're now in a place where we can utilize the internet 
to, you know, deal with these basic issues like getting you cask wine, you know, making sure 26-year-old women have as many sexual partners as possible. I mean, these basic problems yeah, seem yeah, to be solved well, yeah, by it, the yeah, internet. The, yeah, the internet changes every fucking aspect of human interaction that, yes. that, that you know, whether we like it or not, you know. Yes. And uh, here, here, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you have another topic you want to throw us. Uh, oh, yeah, one more. Yeah, we're done with movies, though. No, I just... I happen to be a cheddar cheese freak. Oh, that's interesting. And um, I've been a connoisseur of it for many years, and I've found if I'd some. If I'd known that in advance, I would have changed my bir- your birthday <laughs> gift. But continue on. Continue uh, no, on. no, it's a good thing you didn't, because I'm extremely picky. I, I know exactly what I want hmm. in cheddar cheese, and there's a, a there are a couple of variables. One of them is the texture mm. itself, and the texture it can be wildly different. Certainly, from one yeah. manufacturer to another, and from one kind of cheddar cheese. Sometimes they're like really almost rubbery. You yeah, know, you no, slice. Yeah, but uh, at other times they're damn near crumbly. Mm. You know, and I like it more toward. Uh, the, I don't like it when, when I cut a big thick slice. I don't <laughs> want it to bend. Uh, when I when I bend it, I want it to fracture. Fracture, yes. You know? And um, and I that's generally agreed upon for especially for sharp cheddar cheeses. Mm. They shouldn't bend; they should fracture. Mm. And um, I found I've lately found when it's good, <laughs> the best or my favorite cheddar cheese of all time. Mm. And uh, it comes from Vermont. Mm-hmm. And the only place you can get it in California is Costco. Mm. And but its it its texture varies considerably. I'd say like thirty, maybe thirty percent of the time, it's yeah. it's too rubbery for me. Yeah. You know? most of the time it's good. Mm. Uh, anyway, so I wrote to the company about this about their quality control. <laughs> mm. Time of year. That's my prediction. Huh? Uh, no. Time of year is my oh, prediction. No. Um, well, time of year is part of it, sure, because seasons dip- change what the cows eat, and mm. uh, you know, and there's. Well, actually, I ended up talking to the guy, and and it was I learned a whole lot, you know, mm. about that. And, and did you record it? Will it be a future Gendo recording? Uh, unfortunately, I did Alas. on my phone. Done. Yeah, it would have been interesting. You're Fascinating. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, in any case. Um, he he gave me a trick that if there are any cheddar cheese lovers out there who find that their cheese is too rubbery, mm. <laughs> that can cure that. And you stick the thing in the freezer for a couple of yeah, hours. Yeah, now what you want is a crystalline structure, which is what you get after you freeze well, it. Well, yeah. Well, but the thing is three hours uh, – these are uh, – well, what I put in there was about a pound chunk. <laughs> okay. And I put it in for three hours because he said in his email later uh, for several hours. So I figured three is a sort of minimum mm. for several, <laughs> you know. And um, and it it went too far. It, I mean, it really practically crumbles. Mm. <laughs> what than you're fractured. also doing in the freezing process is getting water out, right? That's well, I'm not. I I don't really know exactly mm. what's going on, but it, I was really amazed at the profound change. Mm. Taking a one-pound chunk of cheddar cheese that is too rubbery for me, sticking it in the freezer for three hours, taking it out, letting it, you know, thaw, thaw yeah. out. And when I cut it, it just practically disintegrated. Mm. And, the t- and the taste had changed, too. It was less, uh, less sharp 
than it was before. Oh, that's interesting. And uh, I would have thought the opposite would be the case. Yeah, yeah the that, that's, yeah, might, that's yeah. what I would have thought too. I was really surprised at that. Um, but nevertheless, that was uh, my experience: is mm. that it was a little less sharp and way too crumbly. Mm. <laughs> you know? So next time, if I have it, I'm going to start off with one hour. Mm. <laughs> you know, and maybe see try how. a smaller piece of cheese as well. Because uh, the surface area would be directly uh, proportional yeah, to the freezing process, and well, these kind and of that, you need to just put it in for a really short amount of time. But yeah, yeah. But the thing is, yeah. we'll keep at least one constant. Well, if I pan. know this, well, for now, I just want to see. I'm just, you know. But in the long run, I have to, I'm going to have to do several tests because mm. it only makes sense to if I when I come home and I open it and the first slice I cut is too rubbery, then I got a two pound chunk. And so that's what's going to go in the freezer. So I need to experiment with two-pound chunks. Mm. My sense is, uh, well, I think an hour. Well, I'll try an hour. If that if that's enough, fine. Mm. If it's not enough, then I'll try an hour and ten minutes next. Mm. Something, you know. And and we'll see. I love the fact that there are still artisanal people out there that can tell you actually how to make your cheese, and they make because I mean this probably made this guy's day. Having communication with you. <laughs> yeah, he's written me back. Uh, I mean, he's, rep- he's responded to everything I've said. When your friend's on Facebook, introduce me to him because I have a number of questions associated with cheese as well. It's funny, actually, in this country because I have a Scottish friend who now I think is living on the coast of Spain. But when we spent time together, his great frustration was that there were so few cheeses sold in the U.S. Now, you know, certain places, Costco is a good example, Whole Foods, these kind of places, Trader Joe's. Um, they do try to find cheeses. But in, in the UK, we lived in walking distance from a smokehouse. They literally yeah. had a 100 different kinds of cheeses <laughs> just yeah, for the UK. Yeah. yeah, sure. And, yeah, it is an interesting thing that – because, I mean, within standard American cheese, I, too, like sharp cheddar. I, too, like exactly what you describe. Yeah, yeah. In terms of I, I don't, I don't yeah. ever eat any other kind of cheese. I mean, yeah. I mean, if I'm at a party and there's different cheeses there, I may – try them you know mm. but i never like anything other than <laughs> really sharp fracturable mm. sharp extra sharp actually wisconsin or vermont excuse me cheddar cheese i wonder if the fluids contained within the cheese are of a, like a naturally acidic like water so when you freeze it out you lose some of that which adds yeah that's i, I don't know but it, it, it's it's not it's kind of hard to tell because i i the f- the texture is so different now, yeah. I and mean, it's so crumbly that I, I really can't. I, I probably should withhold judgment until yeah. after I've you know tried to, tried this a couple more times. I can understand the crumbliness because I mean, if you imagine cheese is just a whole bunch of like long fats with like little water held in between that. By freezing it, you'd remove some of that water, or at least expand well, it probably the, to break the, the water, texture. Yeah, that's the thing is. Well, but I would think breaking things up would make it even more rubbery. I mean, no, 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 it no. Fractures, it fractures along very specific lines. Think about eggs. Think I about mean, what? Think about eggs. When an egg is not fried, it's completely fluid. But when you start removing the, well, and obviously the, the stuff shrinks in the egg as well. Well, that think, has to do with heat, though. That, that specifically well, has no, but to you're getting heat water changing out. the proteins. Uh, in part, yeah. But I can certainly see, yeah, I guess I see the, yeah, it's interesting. Well, I it's don't know. I mean, there's all sorts of interesting <laughs> things about it. I've, and I have no idea. I'm just guessing, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I was really surprised at what a dramatic change. In, I mean, the, the cheese literally, when, when you put a knife through it, it practically just crumbles. Yeah. 
underneath the knife rather than, you know, <laughs> peels. I mean, and that was only three hours, so that, that was, you know. Well, you know your limits now. You can work within those limits. Yeah, well, I'm going to start off at the other end next yeah. time, you know, and take it real, you know, from a little. I may, I may even start out with a half hour and just see yeah, what. Yeah, no, that would be exactly my time to start with. Yeah. Know. Yeah, well, it's uh, anyway, it's been fascinating because I just never, you know, I mean, generally speaking, I mean, it's the first time I ever wrote to anybody about the texture of their cheese. <laughs> <laughs> this guy probably loved it. You probably, he's probably hanging your emails up on his pin board. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's, it's, it's been quite interesting. And to know that if I don't like the cheese, you know, I can do something about it. Exactly. You know, I mean, and like I say, three out of ten times or so. I haven't liked it. It's been too goddamn rubbery, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, you know, now I can deal with that. So that's the end of my topics. So we discussed, probably in our last recording, which was, what, three weeks ago now, we discussed the incredible string band. Yeah, well, we did. Okay. And I went back and listened to it because I, I have a record or two of theirs. Which ones? Oh, God, now you're testing me. It's the ones with all their faces on it. And it's well, song, one well, of, what, are the, what, are, what are some of the songs? Oh, you're... now you're really testing me. What oh, I did in, in contrast to this, and again, you'll be testing. This was three weeks ago, Heron. My brain has <laughs> had gone through various, as we will talk about later, various changes over the past three weeks. The thing that captivated me about the Incredible String Band is that it was very romantic in terms of its general framing. And it's kind of, it's it's so frozen in the 1960s in terms of its <laughs> particular perspective on the world, which is just absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah it was really a good opportunity well, you could say to... you could say that it's frozen in the 60s, but I'm not sure. Well, it was the 60s, so how was, can you say it was well, frozen? Okay, so let me tell you what. Let me tell, let me, well, <laughs> it, there were a series of things that went through public consciousness over that period of time, particularly in folk music. I mean, folk music in the mid to late 60s, became not just political, but just really quite vicious in terms oh, yeah. of its And their stuff is so gentle and, exactly. and loving. Yeah, yes. It's just so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's so, it's so <laughs> framed in adolescent thought and these kind of things that it's strange to think of adults writing songs as if they were adolescents in love and then yeah. describing this in great detail. Yeah, but yeah, it is a, just an amazing. So I just yeah. wanted to thank you for that opportunity to go back and listen to music, which I guess I heard probably when I was about seventeen. Apparently, they were they were they had a short lived. Po- well, that, I think they were actually at Woodstock. Mm. Um, They're Scottish, yeah. aren't they? They're Scottish originally. Uh, yeah, 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 or something like that. Anyway, yeah. they're yeah, they're yeah. Celtic, yes, <laughs> of, some, of some sort. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I still have just such a warm place in my heart for their music. I, I still listen to it. Again, uh, I, I just love their stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and what's curious is that it's such a mixture of really instrumental virtuosity and really primitive, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Pop? Is that the word you're well, looking no, for? No, no, no. Sort of a prim. No, I just mean primitive musicality too. Mm. I mean, you know, it, it's they just do some really interesting things rhythmically and harmonically Certainly. sometimes. But that's also part of Celtic music. I mean, that's well, what they yeah, draw from, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Anyway, it, I've just always loved them. It's, they're called the Incredible String Band. I highly recommend them to any of our listeners. I think you will thank me for recommending it if you're not familiar with the Incredible String Band. Endorsed by both Tom and Heron, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So, I have a Hoffman quote, which isn't really a quote associated with reality. Abby Hoffman? Or? Uh, no, the uh, LSD originator, oh, oh, okay. Albert Hoffman. Right. Albert Hoffman, okay. Yes. Good. It's important to know which Hoffman we're Certainly. talking Certainly. You're right, actually. <laughs> I bought a, a book by Abby Hoffman recently. One, his favorite quote, or, or my favorite quote of his, which made it into my book of quotes, is, I crave ideas that probe and am surrounded by recipes for tuna surprise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, the book I purchased recently of his stuff was a series of those kind of discussions. Like, the, what captivated me was I was going through a bookstore, and I picked it up, and the page that it opened to, which is actually a really interesting test that I found myself using, at least on that particular day, was a discussion associated with how to organise a revolution in a kindergarten. <laughs> which is something I have reflected on very heavily. In fact, I actually... Right, yeah, yes. that's a great idea. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I tried to organise a trade union in my, not my kindergarten, but the equivalent in the kind of after-school session. We discovered underneath the building that um, someone had dumped a bunch of, um, it wasn't coal, it was coke, which is less oily coal. So we started mining it after school and, like, created huge bags of it. And I think we probably... I don't know how much we mined. I mean, we were probably like five at the time. But after a period of time, I realised that we had to create some kind of trade union around this because it was a labour movement and all this other kind of stuff. And we then started having what protests. What did you do? Were you selling it? or we, couldn't, that, we lost that part of it, I think. I think we were just picking it up and collecting these big mounds <laughs> of this Coke stuff. And then we organised, like, protests and we wanted to, like, rename the playground equipment after you know, our particular union and all this kind of stuff. I don't think the teachers were ready for me. So I opened up that page and I thought, ah, I've got to buy this book. Now, secondarily reading the book and actually having proper quotes for Stone Ape coming in the, in the near future. But yes, it was... So the Albert Hoffman quote, the guy who actually put a little acid on... Well, manufactured it for the first time and put it on his hand, was that it was an experience that related to including all realities. That we had a perspective of reality... But that was just one of many realities, and LSD enabled you to explore all realities. And it was an interesting kind of linguistic quirk yeah. that made me think of you particularly associated with the lack of effect. Yeah, see, I, I would just say that the word reality is meaningless. Exactly. Fucking multiple realities, single reality, you can call it what the fuck you want. Mm. <laughs> you know? To me, the whole thing has become so simple now mm. that all we have is our direct sensory experience we have mm. like 20 senses or something like that uh, and that's it that is all there is yes a- and and we've got stories about that shit and the stories we've inherited and then then it gets really complicated because we got stories about our stories mm. and, and it gets but i mean that's how, that's all there is man there's our absolute Direct physical experience, moment by moment, and then the the stories that we've got about it. Hmm. And any other anything else is just a story. Yes, yes. So I thought a short topic, one that I could throw in there. Over the past three weeks, for a series of factors, I've been doing a lot of different exploration. I've kind of written it down. Funnily enough, I'd written notes for our recording that was cancelled two weeks ago, and I've just basically augmented those notes for this discussion piece. 
next year will be 20 years of Noble Ape. And I feel responsible to create something for those 20 years. And also, for probably about the past five years, Noble Ape has a small developer mailing list that has very little traffic, but occasionally I'll post things and occasionally people will post to it. And probably, probably just after the last recording, someone posted to the developer mailing list that next year we really should do the Google Summer of Code. Now, Google has a program where they basically pay for college students to work on open source projects, nominally like Noble Ape. And they pay $6,000, uh, 5500 goes to the student and 500 goes to the project that the student is working on. So I started writing up the Noble Ape Google Summer of Code application. It's about five pages worth of stuff. And then I started to think about, well, actually, what I did was I read through the rules that Google had associated with this. And I realized that not only was this not a sure thing, this probably wouldn't get through the Google exclusionary process and actually net the money for the student. And then I thought to myself, this hassle associated with all writing up this application or what have you is about 30 hours of time. Yeah. yeah, Um, Which for my time is pretty close to what Google would be paying. And I could just put that money aside and feel quite comfortably, you know, putting up a, a student for, I don't know, two or three months worth of work and just yeah. launch it early yeah, in the year. Yeah, just do it yourself. Exactly, because yeah. why mess with Google? And yeah. then I thought, yeah. well, I, I probably should talk to my wife about this because, you know, it's time and money and this kind of stuff. And she said, no, what you need to do is do what you need to on that side. But if you're only paying for one student, why not put together a Kickstarter associated with the 20 years of Noble Ape and use the funds that aren't sent off in T-shirts and other things. How much do you need? Well, that's interesting. I mean, I'm willing to cover the initial 6,000, but every additional 6,000 is potentially a new student. And you can also change it in ways where, like, if students only want to do one month's worth of work, then they'll get 3,000 of these kind of things. So you can probably get by with just a little bit more. But also, it gives you the opportunity. I'd already started recording music. And what I thought was, well, who else do I know that produces things? Well, I know this guy who's like the background artist on The Simpsons, you know, my friend Mike in Burbank. So I contacted him and he was really excited about this. And he said, yeah, no, definitely I'll do artwork for a T-shirt. I said, great, you know, because this stuff is amazing. And then I was also thinking I've got the original manuals. I've got various other things. Skype calls are strangely, I always, I always put in the money for the Kickstarter to get the Skype call with the person that's doing it because I can put the audio out in podcast form. But I could also offer the people that contribute to that level whether or not they want to be in podcast as well. So, you know, I have all these other avenues. I don't, I don't know, honestly. I mean, part of the Kickstarter thing I worried about was am I just replacing the Google bureaucracy with the Kickstarter bureaucracy? And then I thought, no, this actually... The whole point about Kickstarter, from my perspective, we've discussed this historically, is associated with publicity. So this actually gets people's eyes on my stuff, potentially even the Stone Ape podcast and variety of other things that I do. And that, in and of itself, is kind of promotional. So I'm starting down this path associated with putting this Kickstarter together, and the idea is to get, rather than the summer of code, I've come up with the idea of the gorilla of code, not the monkey gorilla, but the you know, Kalashnikov mm-hmm. gorilla. And I'm putting together a page for that, which hopefully... That's I'll... not a right way to say that. How would you say <laughs> it? Well, Kalashnikov is probably not a good good thing to say in public. Oh, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I'm just I'm just equating I'm just... our listeners with this concept here. 
<laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just, I, I just, I got stopped by that word. That's all I figured. Yeah. The CIA and in, in the cent, you know, the National Security Agency probably more, would would get hung up on that word. As I like too. to say, more pages to my file. Eric. More pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've already dug my own grave. Yeah. So I, fuck it, never mind. <laughs> Did I tell you my mother actually got her file from the Australian equivalent of the CIA? It contained no. one photo and a page and a half. And she was able, through freedom of information, to actually get that. I'm still looking forward to seeing the photo. What? Why could, how could you even trust that that's accurate? Yeah. Well, it's probably yeah. redacted well, heavily. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. As I'm thinking, so that's what they sent her. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah. at least it identifies the file and some of what it might have contained. Yeah, at one yeah but I mean... Is there any reason to assume that that's all there is? It's something you can hang on your wall. <laughs> okay. That's all you should want for in life is just a little yeah. thing that you can hang on your wall. Yeah, I've I've wondered whether the the you know that there's there are files on me you know because yeah. I've always been fairly outspoken, but I fuck I don't think I'm that big. I don't think I'm on their radar. Mm. But who knows? Maybe I am. I think <laughs> we all are, Heron. I think huh? we all are. If we're doing something worthwhile, I'm sure we'll be. Well, but that's questionable, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially for people like that. Mm. Whether they think uh, what we're doing has legs or not. Mm. <laughs> well, I just think they're universally paranoid, right? I mean, if they can, if they can spy on yeah, uh, cookie yeah. bakes for peace, then... Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll find some reason to justify it. Certainly. Certainly. <laughs> anyway, it's an interesting. I mean, certainly, what else has gone over over the past three weeks has brought this whole thing into question. Because what's really happened over the past three weeks, hence no stone apes and a variety of other things, is that my time has just completely been sucked into a void. And it's interesting. Actually, well, it's been sucked into Netflix. It's interesting actually because I had initial notes associated with talking about this based on. I've started suffering migraines, like extreme migraines yeah. over the past... Is, is this something you've never experienced before? I used to have black... Well, I periodically had black spot migraines. Which I don't know what that means. You visually see black spots. Okay. It, but, I mean, I usually think of migraine as like... I mean, that's all the onset stuff, but I mean, is really intense physical pain in your head. Yes, which I've okay. had as well. But okay. I link it with the visual thing, which is what interested me associated with the visuals that I've had only on over two days and only for relatively, you know, 10, 20 minutes worth of time. I mean, if you ha do you have a history of this? Well, I, I found, I thought I had a history only on my father's side, but I talked to my mother yesterday and she said, oh, yes, your grandmother, who passed away a couple of years ago, used to have these kaleidoscope migraines as well. So I have a family oh, okay. history of okay. this. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, but it's been very but interesting. But you don't have any history of this, though. I've had, I've had migraine headaches probably from my mid-teens. And how often? Uh, not with a frequency where it concerned me. Typically in the order of maybe once every two months when I was that, a teenager. I have no idea. You know, okay, and, and it would last for how long? Uh, it varies. I mean, a couple of hours. Uh, well, I've, I've, over the past three weeks, I've had days of migraines, literally where they I go to sleep day. with them. Oh, yeah. Shit. Oh, and because I'm in an environment where and I these have are to, fairly intense pain, right? I uh, mean, I'm, I, I mean, one of there's a series which I call the crying migraines, where basically <laughs> my eyes just water like I'm crying, but I'm not crying. It's oh, okay. Just I can imagine crying though. When I mean, I've been in pain Certainly. where. Crying was like part of that. The interesting know? thing is that since the since I've 
read about and heard about the different kinds of tears, I'm very sensitive to which kinds of tears I'm having. And oh, the tears yeah. that I was having were, I'm not, I don't know, they're not crying tears, though. Because no, it's, like, it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's not yeah. crying in that sense. It's like your eye is seeping. It's not coming yeah. from a tear duct. It's well, and it's yeah. more of an attitude too. It's mm. more of a, <laughs> at least for me, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's just I'm, I'm not quite sure how to talk about it because I've only experienced that kind of pain a couple times, and, and yeah. yeah, it's really sort of a crying out of some sort. Yeah, the funny <laughs> thing was when I had it, it only came from one eye. As well, I mean, there are all these kind of peculiarities that I yeah. started to document. But to hear that my grandmother suffered from—I mean, my father had migraines periodically, and he just shut himself in a darkened room. But the difficulty that I've had is that I, at work, as you do, Heron, I do unique things, and for periods of time with particular deadlines, I need to be at work doing unique things. Now, the worst period through this, where I had the kaleidoscope migraines, or at least for the first part. My boss was away, so I was doing a variety of my boss's tasks, plus the unique things that I did. Mm. And my real concern through it was that I guess it was something that was leading towards something like some kind of profound breakdown or something like yeah. that. I'm more confident. Yeah, how now. long did this period? I mean, did, probably. I mean, I'm thinking. Is about, this over now, or is it just abated? Sort I think of? it. Uh, my desperation was that I was going to take last week off in entirety, so I was like. Yeah. trying to get through it all so I could take last week off. And it was just, it became clear mm. that I couldn't take last week off. So really... Uh, well, but I mean, if you're really sick, so that's that's it. Just fuck it. I'm just, you just go to work anyway, huh? It's, there are combinations of factors here. What happened just prior was um, our, our sewer didn't burst, but it basically clogged and there was some assertion that it had burst. Yeah. So I had anyway, to... it's an intolerable situation. Well, yeah. it's more than that. The problem was that I, because of work, I had to be at work the day that the first sewer guy came out and wreaked havoc. I mean, flooded our basement. Well, it didn't flood it, but introduced water leaks into our basement and looked like he'd done some serious damage. While I wasn't here, I had to talk to him on the phone from work. And through the nature of my work, there are some... I mean, for example, when we had our electrical stuff when we first moved in, I had to be at work doing certain things that only I could do they installed the electrical, and now, slowly but surely, I'm learning which circuit breaker controls which area of the house. So, you know, there are various things, but with the, with the water situation, it was such that me not being here probably created a worse situation than if I'd been here just to talk to the young guy who they sent out. Yeah. Thankfully, I made such a stink about it, because we had literally sewage coming up from the ground that um, they sent the, the owner of the company out the next day. And even though he charged me again for the work that I paid for the day before, he unblocked it and also explained the situation of the sewer, which is going to cost us about 10 grand in the new year, but thankfully is working currently. The, that, just on me and my wife, would have been one thing, but we have tenants. Yeah. And this really impacts them, <laughs> and I'd gone into their property and observed the sewage that had come up, filled yeah. their bathtub, oh, and all this shit. other stuff. Oh, shit. And this is yeah. like a moral thing yeah. for me as well, because I, yeah. I, and a legal thing. I have a legal responsibility. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking mess. Yeah. yeah. So this led into the period where my boss was away and these migraines and these kind of things. <laughs> I thought the sewage thing was really a causal start to this. Oh, man. Now, what's curious through this period, because this went on for maybe three or four days, was my first thought was we've got to evict, evict these tenants because without the tenants here, we can probably muddle through this, but the tenants being here is much of an additional pressure. 
And then thankfully, the so I'd written up the little letter and what have you. But thankfully, when they fixed the sewer, I thought, I can't kick these people out. I mean, they have a remarkable well, yeah, didn't deal you just here. Couldn't you work out a deal with them, talk with them, and figure out how to get through this thing? Um, they were happy with the situation. I wrote them a check for 50 bucks and just said, look, I'm really sorry about this. And they, they like where they are. I mean, there are a number of advantages yeah. of where okay. they are. So, so, so you guys are cool. Then. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. But yeah. it was going through all these processes and like, what do I do in these positions and these circumstances? Oh, yeah. And it's just been nonstop. And I think the cumulative pressure and the fact that these migraines were specifically triggered at work. Yeah. Thankfully at work, we have these test rooms and things. So I squirreled myself away in a kind of darkened area of the building for a couple of days. Um, but the pain that you get from migraines forces you to stop what you're doing and then to force through that pain to continue what you're doing. And when the visual effects started, my first thought was, can I keep working? I mean, that was my immediate yeah. thought. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. saying. At some point, it all comes to a stop. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, what, what happened was... Sorry. <laughs> what but... happened was it really slowed down. And what was interesting was... I guess professionally, I've always been able to fight things like lack of sleep. I've always had yeah. to remain conscious associated with, you know, what I'm doing. This was a really hard period to work through. The mm -hmm. sense that I wasn't the first in my family to do it, and also it explained a great deal associated with my grandmother's terrible personality, was actually an immense relief. <laughs> But at the same point, I need to, yeah, I just have to be sensitive to this thing going forward. Yeah, yeah, you got to realize what your limits are, you know. Mm. I mean, at what point it starts to be not worth it. <laughs> but the know? other thing which made, it, which made it slightly amusing was as I was having these visual hallucinations, I thought of Nancy Reagan. And I thought if Nancy Reagan had told people working too hard would cause hallucinations That's as well. right. Yeah, just say no. Yeah. It would have been a slightly <laughs> different perspective on this whole thing. Slightly, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, see, I've got a... Well, I, I was lucky in that I, I discovered that I had a really low tolerance for that kind of stuff, mm. and I've separated myself from it. Um, and, of course, that creates its own set of problems, mm. but I, I don't regret having made that choice. Yeah, I think it's certainly a choice that many of my peers have made as well. In fact, I'm the curious one in, you know, many groups associated with this stuff. And it's interesting because... Yeah, but you're starting to change the way you think, so your job now is to maximize what you can get out of this before you drop out. Well, yeah, in one <laughs> regard. But also, I mean, I think the Kickstarter is a fascinating vehicle through that, and certainly when people have talked to me with some degree of concern, I said, but next year is 20 years of no belief. I've got this Kickstarter, which may or may not work. And also through this, I've still got, you know, stuff that will enable things to work irrespective of the, whether the Kickstarter comes together or not. But I think it's interesting because this kind of training also gives you, I don't know, a different perspective, which I see with, you know, some of my friends in the fruit factory. Um, but, you know, working through this kind of stuff gives you a different perspective. But, yes, I want to do everything in my power to minimise these things. I mean, I'm slightly sadomasochistic, but I'm not sadomasochistic enough to say, ah, great, the migraines are here. Yeah, no, you know? no, that, no, that's no good. You can put up with a whole bunch of shit, but yes. th that's intolerable. Yeah, that's yes. no good. Yeah. Yeah, that's sort of the way I've, yeah, I, I, I find, 
Actually, I think probably a. In fact, this is related to that movie stuff about Meru. You know, is that I, I can't imagine why people would choose to put themselves in those situations. Mm. You know, in that kind of danger and in, in that kind of hardship and unfriendly atmosphere. And I'm sure there are people who would look at my life and can't possibly imagine how somebody would choose to live like I do. Mm. <laughs> mm. You know. Speaking of Nancy Reagan. I was contacted by, look, if talk, talking about amazing transformations, shout outs once again to Connor Sites Bowen. <laughs> you got it. Can you just, uh, I mean, I, I am completely astonished. Yeah, he's, he's a, it's a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. He's, he's turned into somebody completely different it's now. Like, it's astonishing to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of it is shaving. But, well, yeah. part of it, that's, that's like a big part of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he lost at least 20 yeah. pounds in that beard alone, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. And the hair, yeah, yeah. And, and plus everything else, yeah. 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 Uh, well, it's a, it's a new game. The question is whether he's going to stick to it or follow back into old habits. I don't think he physically can anymore. That's the nature of the heart surgery. Was that oh, people can do any goddamn thing they uh, want. Well, it, it may kill them, but yeah. <laughs> that's not a problem. I mean, the stuff associated with the heart and the excretory system meant that basically he was going to be losing, you know, initially tens and probably at least fives of pounds. Yeah. In terms of that whole thing working. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing transformation. I'm really impressed. I, uh, you know, another thing, um, a guy I, I used to work with, an editor who was only with us for a couple of months and then moved to Colorado, but I'm still connected with him on Facebook. Yes, and he he has lost an enormous amount of weight, and mm. he just posted some new pictures, and it's just stunning. Yes, to see, you know, the difference from when I knew him and what he looks like now. You know, yeah. and of course the question is. <laughs> now what? Yeah. You know, so you're here. Where are you going to be a year from now? <laughs> yes. Anyway, returning to Connorsites, bro. Yeah. He posted to me. Actually, I think he just generally posted and then I picked up on it. This sloth commercial that the New South Wales government has put oh, out that, as, a, yeah. as an anti-cannabis thing. Now, yeah. I was then over... Is, this began when? Is this, uh, December, this is a current thing? That's December 18th, going on I think, is when it started. I mean, so this is a current yeah. issue in, yeah. in Australia. The thing about New South Wales, I mean, I was... What is New South... That's like a state in Australia. New South Wales is the largest state in Australia. It has, I think, 8 million people contained within the, it. It's the east, west, north, south. It's the east. It's the kind of central east. Australia okay, is effectively okay. cut in half. Yeah. And the top half of the uh, east coast is Queensland. Then you have New South Wales, which is a sizable chunk. Yeah. And then you have Victoria at the bottom, and obviously Tasmania, which is the island. Yeah, yeah. New South Wales is, um, and Sydney is the largest city within Australia right. by yeah. a good number. Uh, my mother lives in Sydney uh, for so most of the that's time. That's where it's happening, man. Well, it's, Sydney's yeah, Sydney's interesting. I mean, New South Wales. I mean, um, th- that's where Australia is happening. I wouldn't say that. No, okay. I think the interesting thing about New South Wales is it's it f- through my entire life it has been astonishingly corrupt. <laughs> like it really is extraordinary. And I was thinking actually, and, and you I, mean the the politics you're talking about specifically? Um, well, the police force, the politicians, basically everything. But the thing that strikes me, <laughs> I was I was very close to actually putting out a stoner sloth video associated with the fact that 
you know, I, I wrote it down here. Cannabis is, an Ill- is illegal in New South Wales because illegal cannabis money goes to individuals in the New South Wales government and organisations connected <laughs> to the New South Wales government. And it's through my childhood, multiple inquiries associated. The police. That's carried, pretty serious. Yeah. That, carried around yeah. cannabis in pots, large pots, which they would pick up and move, and they were connected with the mafia. The stories that came out from my childhood and then the execution of the um, Winchester, who was the police commissioner in the ACT, but still connected with this New South Wales cannabis money. The fact that cannabis is still illegal in New South Wales is solely because of the profits that are turned from cannabis into individuals in the government and also the police force. And the fact that this insanity has now... This is, again, we were talking about internet dating. Wait, so grass is legal in other states but not in New South Wales? Grass is legal in Canberra, which is a small island in New South Wales. Well, it's not legal, it's decriminalised, which means that if you grow a small quantity... It's not an offence. If you have a small yeah. quantity on your person, I think it's an ounce. It's not an yeah. offence. Okay. Yeah. It's also... Dec- Can't sell it. I mean, they don't have dispensaries. They don't have dispensaries. No, yeah. the medical... However... That's funny how we call them dispensaries instead of stores. <laughs> well, they all dispensary. have to be medicinal, right? It needs to sound medicinal. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It is well, very cute. in that curious. case, then the, the liquor stores ought to be dispensaries, too. Yeah. For your medicinal liquor. Uh, The thing about New South Wales is cannabis was decriminalised in Canberra in 1993. And then they started talking about heroin decriminalisation about 94, 95. And that's when folks who were interested in heroin started coming to Canberra from New South Wales. It is astonishing to me, given... And also Australia recently, I don't know whether it's through yet, but the various things have been signed off on for medicinal cannabis over all of Australia. Yeah. So Australia will soon be a medicinal cannabis. Really? Okay, yeah. good. So everything is moving in the right direction, aside from this corrupt state. And they're <laughs> That's right, their politicians are going to lose yeah. a bunch of money. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Except they don't think, well, maybe we could get the money back into the system. I mean, that's unfortunately... The, oh, no, the, it's yeah. not going to go into their pockets. Yeah, no, that's exactly They can get true. it back to the government. Exactly. Fuck the government. Yeah, no, it's about them. Exactly, which is what the whole thing's about. The funny thing about this is New South Wales is able to carry on like this for tens of years. Then comes along this little thing called the internet... And people the world over can see how stupid this state is within Australia. Now, a lot of the, yeah. a lot of the reporting on this. But what about the people of Australia? Do they just sort of? I don't, I don't get it. I compulsory mean, voting. They just have to vote for one party. That's they just my don't. Party. Con- they just don't give a shit. Basically, they go to work. They come home, watch TV. Uh, look, a majority. A majority. I mean, else, like everywhere else. <laughs> we have a lot of Australian listeners here, Heron, and I Do think. We? Yeah. I oh, think okay. the the folks who certainly listen to Stonate probably feel dis- like if you have to vote and every po- it's like Syria, right? That's right. You have to vote. That's hard for me. If to you have to vote yeah. and every politician's in favour of bombing of Syria, even if you're not personally in favour of bombing of Syria, you have to vote for one of these schmucks. And how that impacts... You can't vote no is no, a possibility. It's, it's really? Yeah. It forces you yeah. to choose between their yeah. offerings. Yeah. Oh, I never understood that clearly. Well, Fuck some, that. That's bullshit. There ought to be a way to vote no. <laughs> we have some radical listeners that have tried to do this through the Australian system, and, and some have successfully been able to get away with it. When I was in Australia, I just didn't register to vote, which enabled me to... Well, but that but that's illegal, isn't exact, it? Well, yes, that's where it gets very, very interesting. They actually go house to house 
when people turn 18. What if you're not home? Exactly, which I wasn't. <laughs> and I'd be, I was on the run for three, well, actually, I was on the run for at least four years in Australia and just re- refused to do it. And if I heard that the folks were coming, I'd just disappear. Well, how would you hear? Uh, well, people talk to each other. I mean, I thankfully, so you- thankfully, as an adult in Australia, I lived on campus and I lived at the very back of a house where no electoral person would have come down the driveway to see me. Uh-huh. So I could escape in that circumstance. But um, it is very, very curious because I know, I mean, I know people that grow vast quantities of cannabis in New South Wales and have done so for years. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I'm not savvy to whether they, you know, whether they pay off police or what have you, but I assume in the well, They pay cases, somebody, yes. we're assuming. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. getting some money and they're yeah. not getting busted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's our, our friend Cog, who's uh, in very close to actually where I know How people. much are they paying? I mean, how much money are we talking about? So they typically deal... And this is just within that state, right? Within New South Wales, yes. Okay. So I have both the friends that I know and Cog. And Cog is the fellow who I talked about a long time ago who's created books and YouTube videos associated with how he was busted for cannabis and completely changed the way he grew cannabis at New South Wales in order to avoid being busted. And he has a rule of less than 50 plants which is less than the you know jail time requirements and these kind of things. So again, the legislation is slightly more in favor of the folks growing the cannabis to get the you know to get the income to the police and what have you than the people purchasing the cannabis and smoking the cannabis. Oh, God, anyway, it's so fucked up. It's amazing. It's absolutely <laughs> astonishing. So for a period of time I was considering putting out one of these uh, you know Stoner Sloth reaction videos that just made that point explicitly clear. And then I thought, no, I'm doing too many things. And my mother lives in New South Wales. So truth be told, to be identified as an individual that probably shouldn't be in New South Wales, I've got better things to do with my time. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it is very curious, however. But yeah, this stoner sloth thing, many people contacted me associated with it. And I said, look, I've told you. I had a, what distills <laughs> my experience. I told you about when did, How long ago did this, when did this actually start? When stoner was the sloth? first one? Yeah. I think the December they released them all. That was the first one? Okay. Yeah. But yeah. So no one had heard about it before. No. This is brand new stuff. Yeah. Okay. They released it in half a day later. Okay. And, and all the reactions have come in just in the last couple of days. So there's been a last strong week. reaction yeah. to yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me give you an isolated example of my experience traveling to New South Wales. When I was, I think, a high school student and a university student, I had what's called an international student card which meant when I travelled to Malaysia and Thailand or whatever, I got student discounts. I couldn't use it in New South Wales, however, so I went to the bus person and went downstairs into the little bus ticketing office and I showed them my international student card. And the fellow said, this is the world, son. This is New South Wales. <laughs> and what actually happened, talking about institutional corruption, was that all the schools and universities in New South Wales paid the bus companies and the train companies to offer student discounts. And then they got special rinky-dink cards I mean, the international student card had holograms on it. These cards were photocopied, put some kind of cheap laminate on, and this was the, interna- the New South Wales equivalent of the international student card for people that went to school in New South Wales. So the only way that they were going to give a student discount was if they'd already been paid off. And that is the mentality of New South Wales, <laughs> distilled in a thing. Uh, well, it's a good thing you escaped. Damn skippy. Damn skippy, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, the old world, but time to go. But what I think go. is amazing here is the 
it, there was a commentary said that, you know, if this had happened in the 90s, this was prior to the internet, so no one knew the war yeah. on drugs was all a joke. Actually, I mean, I, I, I had dial-up modems, which got me, you know, the Jolly Roger cookbook and all these other things, and they talked about cannabis growing perfectly frankly. Um, I already knew about Anslinger and all the history associated. I mean, the great irony here is that the folks in New South Wales are trying desperately to emulate the US in the 1960s and 70s, and obviously Reagan. And they've lost the fact that actually their superpower that they're trying to emulate, aside from the federal government, which, you know... The curious thing about the federal government, you know, class A felony Yeah, that's stuff, it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Is that's... that one of the principles in it is that there is no applicable medicinal use in the US for the drug, here, cannabis. And yeah. I can't understand why someone from Colorado or, you know, Washington State or all the states where this thing is either fully decriminalised, or the 20-plus states where it's medically used, yeah. don't raise issue with the federal government and squash this thing immediately. It's just yeah, astonishing. It, it's, yeah, the, it, it's, it's really frustrating to watch it. You know, mm. just, I mean, how, how long is this going to take? Yeah. You know, get the fuck out of my life. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. none of your fucking business. Yeah. Well, I, I, was, I was interested in, and I was thinking of enacting a verbiage which pointed out that the folks that are interested in keeping this thing illegal typically have moneyed interests where in they are, which, where they are benefiting <clears throat> from keeping well, it illegal. What is the who is benefiting from it being legal? Prison I mean, guards, illegal. police, in terms of it being legal or being illegal. Well, I mean, yeah, wh- who would oppose it? Who's going to profit from it remaining li- illegal? So the the DEA. Okay, so all the drug enforcement people. Uh, that, I think it's that between, whole system. It's between. Yeah, sure. no, let's They're talk about the numbers here. Thirteen <laughs> to seventeen billion dollars a year for just cannabis. Okay, yeah, forty well, billion okay. for everything, but yeah. thirteen to seventeen billion dollars a year okay. associated with enforcement. And, and okay, all right. So, well, so that's real, real clear. Okay, and what else? Well, that money permeates in a variety of directions. Then you've got people, well, the private prison system. Oh, sure. I, oh, the whole thing. Sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're all dependent upon getting, keeping these people coming through here. Yeah. You know, in the court system and exactly. you know, everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So, yeah. And, and In contrast, you have Colorado and Washington and Oregon. I mean, Colorado is just amazing. It's amazing the amount of money that has been generated in Colorado and gone back into schools and all the well, other They've been making a lot. They've been selling a lot of dope. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> and taxing it pretty heavily. Well, Washington State more so. I mean, Washington State is the curious one, which unfortunately seems to be doing a lot of proselytizing in California associated with California adopting Washington's slightly bizarre model. But, I mean, the Washington system, you can't grow it. Which I you can't grow. Yeah, that's bullshit. Exactly. You know, if I want to grow my own, then fuck you. Well, it's the whole yeah. nature that this is actually supposed to be a high taxed commodity thing, <laughs> as opposed to tomato seeds. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, I understand. it's just some legal yeah. definitions and bullshit. But yeah. I think well, they did it in Canada, and Canada's a country. I mean, that's where this is where it comes from. Canada created these kind of monopolies associated with growing cannabis. And then they had kind of medicinal laws that snuck through some people. And I think Washington State has medicinal laws that enables people <laughs> to grow. But you've got all this kind of curious bureaucracy, which is just added on there 
for the sake of adding on bureaucracy. Oh, I, yeah, I know. The whole, well, that's just that's what we get to deal with. Yeah. So that's what's there for now. Yeah. You know. But the point that I made, including my cousin, my cousin is a medical doctor in New South Wales, and he contacted. He was the second person that contacted me associated with the Stoner Sloth thing, and this was like the second day after the ads had come out. And I said, wait for two or three days. You've got to give the internet time to respond with serious yeah, comedic yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, they've got to do this thing. And what was funny was I also looked within the first eight hours, all the high-quality sloth suits the world over had sold out. You can get cheaper <laughs> ones, but the high-quality sloth suits, all gone. <laughs> So stay tuned, because my perspective is the internet is only just starting on this thing. You know, there's something, I think, really profound here. Yeah, no, that's why I'm talking about it. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. It's hard to sort of connect it up exactly, you know, but but, uh, this all gives me great hope for the future. Yes, me too, actually. Surprisingly hopeful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> well. I, you know, I just don't know what to say about it. Actually, you know, I, I've watched a couple of those things, and, and it's just hard to imagine what the fuck was going through their heads when they made those things. Anyway, <laughs> you know, the commercials or the laws or both. Well, all, well, no, I'm specifically these commercials. Oh yeah. You know? You well, know, the thing about the commercials somebody is... Somebody came up with this idea, yeah. and they all sat around a table... Patted them on the back and said, let's do this stuff. That's a great thing. idea. That's yeah. awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about it is that, and this also captures New South Wales for me, is it's about a culture of bullying. I mean, this is about finding people that are different, stigmatising them, and continuing to stigmatise them. The sloth could be someone who has mental health issues yeah. or just be just generally in fact, it, insane. Yeah. You know, people with mental difficulty. Exactly. Yeah. Or people who are stupid. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 50% of the people in the world are below average intelligence. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. You know, it is this kind of, and when you, when you spend time in Sydney, I don't know. I, 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 we have New South Wales listeners. We have New South Wales listeners that are probably tired of the satire already. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. What... The other thing is, I know nothing about this. I, I'm, I'm responding to everything you say, hmm. and of course, I know nothing about. You did have South a brief. Wales. You had, did have a brief opportunity to go to New South Wales through part of your life, but you probably would only remember the prostitutes and maybe some of the harbour from that. <laughs> Anyway, well, I think I'm done with Stoner Sloth for now. It has created a curious social movement, many of whom look to me as their messiah associated with providing them this information. Because I've been talking shit about Australia since I left. And those that have chosen to listen have have gravitated to some aspect of that. You mean those Australians? No, no, Americans. Why the hell would Americans even give a shit? Well, they just, they kind of... I mean, America is what counts. Fuck Australia. But let me talk about it associated (laughs) with my particular connection. When they hear stories that appear seemingly ludicrous from me, associated with this place where everyone has to vote and all this other kind of stuff. And the other thing is Americans are falsely... Falsely given propaganda. I mean, this is why I recommend films like Snowtown, because the propaganda that Americans have fared with regards to Australia is nearly as bad as the propaganda Australians have fared with regards to America. But, yeah, you mean not all Australians are at the barbecue with, you know, Crocodile Dundee? 
Well, a good majority <laughs> are, but let's talk about social issues. But that's right. That's yeah. the same as in America. It's the same in America. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But anyway, when Americans start hearing curious things about Australia, obviously in this case, many go, oh, Tom told me something about that once. Let me contact Tom. <laughs> So like many of the deadlines in my life, finding an annual birthday gift for you has been somewhat <laughs> consuming. And oh, I know. I apologize. You know, and I told you, I don't expect what you this say. anymore, but, anyway. you know, I love the challenge. Well, it gives us another got topic. you got guts, man. I'll it gives tell us you. another topic. And <laughs> we, were, we went to, did, my wife has been away. She was in Southern California and she came back yesterday or maybe the day before. Anyway. And we were in a Whole Foods yesterday buying a few groceries, and I looked out past the counter, and there was the Eckhart Tolle annual calendar. Mm. And I thought, that would be an interesting satirical gift for Heron, but <laughs> I, actually, I actually thought <laughs> I thought about giving you the Eckhart Tolle calendar. In fact, he has two this year. One associate, anyway, he has two, and I, I looked them up online because I didn't want to buy them at Whole Foods. And I just thought, no, the Eckhart Tolle calendar, it can't be that. That's too, it's too, like, it's not deep enough to have a proper conversation about. Well, it's not, well, I'm already a calendar freak. I don't operate on the normal calendar. That's exactly my point. I I immediately thought, what I actually got you might be considered with similar offense, but I thought you've got to see some side of what I actually got you. So we'll talk about it probably next week. Well, whatever it is, you know, it's. It's a free gift from out of the universe mm. into my life. Mm. You know, if if I dump it in the trash, I'm no worse off. <laughs> yeah, you with know? regards to this gift, I'm slightly worse off if you dump this one in the trash. That's always the risk as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. That's the game you're playing. Yeah. You know? yeah. But, you know, then there's certain pressure on me to be thankful. Oh, yeah, I don't, you know, and, and, and tell you how yeah. great it is and all that. Without telling yeah. you anything more, my <laughs> suspicion is you may not even... Well, I think if I'm lucky, you'll understand this gift. <laughs> if you're unlucky? It'll go in the trash. And then I'll say, why did you throw this gift away? And you'll say something else. Oh, but see, got another. even if it does go in the trash, that's okay with me. Hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, it might that was be- a fun game. Until you, mu- until you realize why the gift is important. If you miss why the gift is important, then Important anyway. to who? Pardon? Important to who? Well, this is the curious thing. I'm taking a risk here. At least keep the gift long enough that I can have a chance to talk with you, please. Okay. Because oh, we are in serious <laughs> doubt as to whether I'm just going to throw it in the trash can. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm saying 10% chance. I think if you actually see it and understand what it is, then it's ah. probably 20% chance well, going in the trash. Well, understand what it is hmm. is not quite the same thing as to understand what you intended by it. I think if you understand what it is, you might see the intention as well. But let's save this to next week or. Oh, this is going to be fun. Yes. (laughs) I can hardly wait. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of amusement associated with this particular gift, but we'll wait wait till next week. Yeah, well, the pressure's been on for ages. I mean, you accepted this challenge. Oh, yeah. No, I'm. You know, and and it's an awesome challenge to accept, you know. Yeah. And And I'm trying to be fucking tough. I'm really, you know. No, without question. Yeah. Yeah. And. Yes, there are many dimensions to this, which we will no doubt discuss when it. You know, you're in. right. It, it is an interesting. You know, it's like the idea of taking on a task, or not mm. a task, but a, you know, the, in the mythic proportion, you know, the mm. the quest. 
Yeah. I mean, for example, I bought myself a whiteboard this year. It's still in the plastic with the pens in the plastic. It's completely in the plastic, but I did buy myself a whiteboard this year. Yeah. With yeah. the view that I should actually start using it. Yeah. Um, How, have you put it up? I'm saying it's still in the plastic. The pens are in oh. the plastic. It's, it's in its original form. Okay. Um, but, yeah, that was something that I actually a listener suggested to me that I should get you a whiteboard. Yeah. And I'm thankful I didn't. So <laughs> yeah, you know that there is no net. And that's interesting. If I had a whiteboard, how would I? I'm not quite sure how I'd use it. Well, when we talked about it, when it was considered a gift possibility, which might have been yeah. last year, you denied that you would use it. That it just wasn't part of your. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, that sounds like a. Re- I mean, that's my first reaction. Oh, it was a gift plus a request from the listener. The request yeah. from the listener was yeah. that you started filming yeah. YouTube videos with the whiteboard. Yeah. Well, it, and if that was the case, and that might make some sense. I mean, if in fact I had a script and a camera, oh, I've got all that. I mean, if that turned out to be a reasonable idea, then that would be a great idea, but that hasn't that hasn't shown up yet. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, yeah. No, I'm open to well, again, that's why I keep taking these sabbatical years, because it's clear that I don't have all the answers yet. Mm. <laughs> mm. But, yeah, I think the annual Heron gift-giving challenge is oh, something that right. I, I take quite seriously. I think I've been doing I it for know. three or four I, years. I, yeah. I guess I'm beginning to take it seriously, too, just, just because of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, pal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, it is an interesting... God, I'm glad it's your you in that position. Yes. Well, I wouldn't do it. See, yeah, I wouldn't you waste wouldn't, my time exactly. on this bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> that is a topic that I wanted to ask you about. I floated maybe three years ago now a Stone Ape T-shirt that had one of the drawings from your journal mm. and some Stone Ape writing on it. Yeah, I've had a couple of situations where I think or have thought over the past few weeks. Yeah. That having a Stone Ape t-shirt would be something it would be. And this is for now. I think it's a cool idea, yeah. but I think we need to collaborate on it. Okay, well, I'll send you the previous. You see, the funny thing is the previous design you liked on Facebook. And yeah. then when you realized it was actually a t-shirt that people could go out and buy. Yeah. That was when the breaks kind of came on. with. Well, I would just like to be involved in this. That's mm. all. I think it's a great idea. I think there's probably all sorts of shit out there that we could exploit. Well, my you know, and use regards to it, which might have been part of the, you know, the rough edges. I'm sorry, what? I my, perspe- my perspective on this, which might have been part of the rough edges that stopped it from coming out, was that it would be uh, no profit to us, but they're still expensive even at no profit to us. Uh, and that it would be something that, you know... Tr- well, no, why should it be at no... It's, well, it needs to go... This No, this needs to be raising money towards getting Gendo or some shit in the world here. My, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, this uh, might have been the, the rough one of the rough edges yeah, that we encountered. Yeah. My perspective is, for almost everything that I do, it's more important to gather people, create a community, yeah. well, than it is the, to make an... I don't see it as an either-or. Well, um, I see it as both and. I agree with you completely. That's yeah. what we're doing is building a community. Yeah. And we're building a community of people who have got enough resources to expend a, some, some small percentage. The of thing the about it is that in, in buying the T-shirt, this is the problem yeah. with Kickstarter as well. Yeah. In buying the T-shirt, they're already expending resources. The question is what percentage of the T-shirt should be coming to us to do this. Well, I know there's all sorts of, yeah, all that. Yeah, my concern needs with to be worked out. <laughs> my concern through working that out, the time and the yeah. process of these kind of things, there are people that could be wearing Stone Ape t-shirts out in the wild, 
yeah. but instead, you know, over a period of time. I mean, I think it's certainly a number of our listeners have expressed to me at one time or another that they would like to have a Stonate T-shirt. Yeah. And I guess my, I've been not successful. Ah, well, that's but, a whole yeah. bit. Um, that, that business must be pretty well worked out by now, isn't it? Is it is completely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you got a T-shirt, you want to yeah. sell it? Is that possible? Through Cafe Press, through a variety of T-shirt yeah. presses specifically. I mean, for model rail radio, there are literally hundreds of model rail radio T-shirts out there. Um, I don't collect a profit for them. I think it's amazing that people wander around train shows wearing these things. They get together and do group photos. I mean, from my perspective, a T-shirt, the cost of the T-shirt, we're talking here $22. Yeah, a T-shirt costs, what, about four? Well, then you print it, then you send it out over the internet. None of which comes back to us. All of this is just in the thing. So my perspective is... Well, everybody's making their cut along the line. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and my perspective has always been that for me to make my cut on that just wastes energy. Well, it depends on what you're doing. I mean, yeah. I, I can see a reason where you wouldn't consider that, or I can see a reason where you would consider that. Yeah. It's all they're they're just you, you have to evaluate each situation independently. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess my perspective would be if if Gendo as a thing was a nonprofit, then I would send you a check every month. And well, there's no reason it, it can't. I mean, it sh- there's no reason why it shouldn't be a profit and a nonprofit. It's not either or. Well, I mean, nonprofit is clearly a way to go, and there's nothing to, to stop that. That's it completely happened. independent. It no, hasn't well, well, it has to be. That's expensive to actually set that up. It's you know, interesting, right? actually, because I've, I've, it's, it's not actually expensive. That perspective, I think, is completely wrong. Oh, well, whatever. Anyway, I don't know about that. If you yeah. know about that, oh, we, can, we can talk about certainly. it. Yeah. But over the past six months, I've followed a gentleman in Oklahoma City who created the Operation Christmas Train Set Foundation. <laughs> which You're is, right. That's not easy to say. Which is a non-profit. <laughs> I've, I've sent a few hundred bucks to this guy because yeah. it comes off. It's better than bombing Syria. <laughs> which, is my, which is a T-shirt I need to make. Really, really, yeah. that's a great T-shirt. Better than bombing. Well, better than bombing. Actually, you don't even need to specify. It's you serious. just say fill in the gap. Yeah, it's just better. No, better than bombing. Yes. <laughs> Period. Yeah. It's better than bombing yeah. anybody. I don't give a fuck who the fuck you're bombing. Yeah. It's better than bombing. Yeah, so that's awesome. That's a great. T- see, that's a T-shirt I'd back. <laughs> Stone Age. Better than bombing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, I mean, and I followed this. I followed the creation. I mean, my perspective has always been, do I make Noble Ape a non-profit? And I look at all of that and I think, no, not from a cost perspective, from a time perspective. You need to employ a lawyer. Well, that's a cost perspective. Who cares? Well. I mean, actually, why do you even care? Because why, I mean, why do you have to decide that? What's wrong with it just the way it is? Um, well, that's what I've concluded in it whenever I've analyzed this. Uh-huh. The distinction is Biota is a non-profit. Operation Christmas Train sets a non-profit. The guys who work on the steam locomotive in Astoria, that's a non-profit. And well, what, yeah, those are all ways to interact with the Caterpillar. And the Caterpillar here is taking a bunch of people's federal income tax yeah. and translating that <laughs> not into paying the federal government, but to put in the coffers of these various non-profits. Yeah, no, that's all needs to be considered. You're right. Yeah. It's, it's very In fact, complex. the Internet Archive, in the, past, in the past week, I've donated, and I'll donate before the end of the year to the Internet Archive uh, as well. Yeah. I put all this yeah. audio. 
Yeah, so and that's money you don't have to pay in federal exactly. income tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's um, that. That's that may be really significant if people really caught on to that. I think people. Woo. I mean, certainly when I came to California, I knew Bruce Damer had the series of nonprofits that he created, and he obviously donates to nonprofits as well. I think people in California, people all over the U.S. When they well, enter all over the world, it's well, no, 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 no. The U.S. tax law is for the U.S. Okay, all right. The all world right. has different tax yeah. laws. Yeah. So I think people that reach a certain income realize, you know, why the fuck am I giving the federal government all this money when I could be a philanthropist? That's as, right. I could do something good as I am in this neighborhood because I got internet that's and computers awesome. into yeah. the local yeah. community yeah. center. Yeah. That's a, yeah, and you're not the only one who's waking up to this shit. Yeah, and many have been awake to this for many, many years. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's not a new idea. <laughs> so my perspective. Well, but is, it is to a lot of people, though. That's See, why I talk about it. That's why I explicitly talk yeah. about it because yeah. if people had talked about it explicitly in front of me, well, that's be, what our that's the job yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> it, I think it used to be something that a certain group of people knew about, and now I just talk about it so other folks know about it. Yeah, you should know. Yeah. <laughs> the, the underlying question associated with whether or not you become a non-profit, I think can be simply answered by this. Are you paying people? Are you doing things that would requires money to be passed on? Do you need to send things? Sure. Or you require cheaper postage stamps? Do you need to buy computers? I mean, the only part yeah, that... Yeah, it's like, all technical yeah. stuff. If there's some reason to do it, it now, at this time, yeah. in this culture, then it would make sense to uh, to play that game. Yeah. You, you have to play that game. What makes I mean, it easier is knowing people who may be part of the group that are lawyers or accountants. So the local train club is a non-profit yeah. because the treasurer is an accountant. Yeah. So he does the books free of charge. In fact, he probably writes it off on his tax as yeah. a donation. <laughs> and if you have a yeah, lawyer, yeah. then they write it sure, off yeah. tax. Yeah, and, and that's you know. all fine. I don't want to know about that shit. But you need no. to know about that no, shit. No, I don't if, need to know about that shit. I need to know that I don't want to know about that shit and find somebody to handle that shit for me. <laughs> Which <laughs> like enables trust. you to need to know about the shit to, in order to make the judgment. Well, well no, yeah. but what I'm saying is, you're, I mean, I understand exactly what you're saying. Yes. And... Um, and those are all sort of technical issues. I don't really want to. I want to. I want to partner with somebody who who will handle that shit. Mm. You know, I'm just not interested in that shit. Mm. Mm. No, I'm, I mean, you know. <clears throat> no, I understand. That's part of it, though. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I. I mean, I don't. I. I just have the product. I don't have any of the business, any stuff, or any that that bullshit. You know. It's interesting, actually, following the Operation Christmas Train Set fellow, because he created basically a. And I thought about this because I'm effectively that on the biota board. He just created a board of yes people. And it's just like having basic, a board there that just rubber stamps everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, well, that's what you want. If it's well, except, except what you're talking about wanting is actually to have a series of people with expertise that are also advising. Well, not even necessarily advising you, but just taking care of a bunch of stuff that you don't want to know about. Which is well, gets, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch. I, I, see, I mean, in this world right now, I mean, capitalism and business is just like unavoidable. Mm. <laughs> so the issue is, how am I going to deal with that? And I don't really want to deal with it. So I'm going to have to find somebody that I can trust yeah. that can deal with all that bullshit and handle it, and and then I'll just deal with them. Yeah, you know, and they'll go out and make it work. Yes. <laughs> How simple is that? Oh, I, I that doesn't sound too hard. But there are probably people out there who can do that. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
and and I'm in no hurry. And I figure I'm still got a couple of years. I think I'm still ahead of the curve here. But would you rather have you know twenty or fifty thousand in a nonprofit when you were ready, or can you wait the couple of years and then generate that you know revenue? Well, yeah, yeah. I don't know right now. I mean, at this point. I don't need to have an answer to that question. It's interesting because I suspect there are probably very tightly refined meetups that assist people to create nonprofits. Oh, yeah, they're all over the place. There's lots yeah. of stuff. I, I'm not ready for that yet. I mean, I haven't, yeah, that's not, the issue is is really marketing. The, the issue is how to position Gendo, you know, well, just, just it, how to yeah. put into the world. It's a multifaceted issue. And, it's good to it's good to have friends. I mean, certainly through the experiences that I've had with Biota and talking to folks that have set up nonprofits, I'm trying, or I've raised the issue, and I will raise the issue next year that I think our local community action group should become a nonprofit because we have to pay bank fees and do a variety of things. I mean, part of it is just sheer laziness on the part of the community, <laughs> but also part of it is, as you say. No one in the wild really knows what these nonprofit things are. They hear about them. They might have some connection to them. But there's, there's all this kind of strange stuff that no one's ever heard of associated with setting up a nonprofit. I've had the benefit over the past six months of seeing someone do it. I've been a part of a nonprofit for about six years now. I mean, my perspective is with regards to No Blape, I can't see, aside from buying computers and these kind of things, and, you know. I see no benefit in the short term of having no Ape, or even the long term of having no Ape as a non-profit. But if this thing changes, if this Gorilla of Code thing brings in a lot of interest and this kind of stuff... What well, has to do with money? It's really just that simple. Well, money also translates into time. I mean, I find I mean, money... If people are willing... If you've got mm. people willing to put up their money, to give their money for something, mm. then... And you're playing that game. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And play, in playing that game, although you can find a perfect group of people, it still takes a certain amount of your time and energy as well. And certainly, I mean, my contact with Biota is, rel- is probably too low touch to be legal, to be perfectly frank. But I think, <clears> um, you know, there are responsibilities through this as well. And that's why I've never done it with Noble Ape, is that I'd much rather spend my time coding and doing this kind of stuff than... Looking well, that's the real issue, isn't it? There are 24 hours in a day, yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, how much time do you have to do and what do you want to do with it? Yeah. You know? yeah. And Netflix fucking is... Fucking hard question. Yeah. <laughs> my employers, as they pay for my time, are setting a pretty high bar on that. I mean, in terms of when I volunteer my time, which I'm doing currently and I do with Model Rail Radio and to a certain extent I do with Short Funk and all these things that I put out for folk, and this is... You know, one of many reasons, probably a low reason, but still one of many reasons that I don't court sponsors or any of this kind of stuff because it sets my value of my time completely disproportionately. No, fuck that shit. Yeah, no, this is something... Exactly. This is something to do because you want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not because, you know, you want somebody to pay you to do it. Well, the point about it is that no one can pay me as well as my employer... So it's completely No, well, you don't need that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You just don't need it. Yeah. It's just, well, it's exactly the position I'm in. (laughs) Yes. In a slightly different framing, but yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't really give a shit. Yes. I put out what I put out. Yes. So. Well, you put out what I put out. (laughs) Actually, 
I am getting close. I've got all, you know, all, you, the, your stuff requires really minimal editing. It, it, you know, I mean, it's almost nothing to put your stuff out. And I'm thinking I'm probably going to do those. So why? It, why? I mean, aside from the well, because they're breaks. the complete unedited version. Oh yeah, for the truly hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, and the FBI and the CIA. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I did want to spend a little bit of time talking about what you're doing next Friday. Next Friday. Yes. Which would be the, the first. Okay. The first. I'll be on that. Oh, that's New Year's Day. Yes. yes. I'll be on my way in the morning towards um, Joshua Tree in the desert. When was the last time you went there? Last last year. I was it. Yeah, but I was on December 20. It was on the solstice. Uh, I had to work okay. this, this time. So I'm going now on my 70th real birthday, mm. which is January 2nd. So I'll be mm. driving on January the 1st to get mm. out there, spend the night, and wake up on my 70th birthday in the desert. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And maybe you might get the salsa this year. I might get what? Well, ah, yes. That's in fact. I was even thinking of calling them the day <laughs> before just to remind them that whatever the fuck they did wrong last year, don't do it again this year. Yes, you need the salsa, the famous salsa. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Yeah. When my fucking employee, see, every other year. Well, it's a long story, but anyway, my everything has changed recently. Mm. So uh, my published dates all got moved up one day because of the holidays. Mm. And it's not the way it, it never did that before. But mm. anyway, it did now. So that was why I couldn't drive out uh, and, um, and yes. celebrate the actual solstice itself, which was Monday morning. So can we record on the Thursday night? Uh, that would be what date? Uh, I think that's the 31st. Yeah, no problem. God, this is yeah. really, this is really complete fogeyism. Christmas Day and New Year's Eve, we record yeah. Stone yeah. Apes. Yeah, it sounds reasonable to me. Yes. Know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I got nothing better to do. And then I yeah, they celebrated the New Year's, yeah. the winter solstice, man. That's, <laughs> that is the New Year. This other shit is just a bunch of patriotic Christian bullshit. Yes, yes. I wonder if there's... In the review of dating apps, aside from the Bacon Lovers, and actually she reviewed, like, various strange fetish apps as well. Oh, shit, yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. But that's what sex is all about, though, see? I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah, tick a bunch of boxes and get I a mean, bunch of I mean, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about hooking up people for fucking, right? Yeah. I mean, really? Yes, yes. I mean, that's what it's about, yeah. right? I'm assuming. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's what they're being used for, so, yeah. 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 Oh, I did do one other thing. Great planet, man! Awesome planet. Yes, I I subscribe to um, Lorenzo Haggerty's psychedelic salon forum for the price of fifty bucks in terms of donating to a a fellow podcaster. Good, and I thank you. I had somewhat mixed feelings associated with it. Firstly, it's a really old forum site that's just basically an offshoot of of a blogging package. So you go into the various areas of the forum 
and it's not really clear that people are having discussions. Lorenzo's there. I've, I've logged on once. I've got to log on again. Lorenzo's there, and immediately when I turned up, he immediately befriended me through this, and I've really... Okay, so you can have direct communication with him then. I've always been able to have direct yeah. communication Yeah, but you, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But the thing that struck me is the folks that are... I mean, you know, as with all forums are just... They're not the kind of places to create any kind of social communication, but there are, you know, half a dozen Well, they people, could be. It depends on uh, what you're doing with I, them, doesn't it? My I perspective mean, is that Facebook is better for now. Oh, for now, yeah. Facebook is... There isn't anything yeah. compared to Facebook. Yeah, and forums <laughs> are certainly not where it is for this No, it's not discussion. a substitute for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're but right. But even I... I mean, what's happened recently with Facebook is that they're trying to create more U.S. election discussion between people because they're selling that. <laughs> At a higher rate. So I'm, I've lost patience with Facebook for a variety of reasons. This forcing down diatribes, you know, mixed in with people arguing continuously just doesn't strike me as the way these social... And ultimately, Facebook is going to make a short-term profit, but obviously lose a bunch of... Well, we'll see. It's going to, yeah. you know, the future is so volatile. I mean, the, who knows what the fuck is going to happen? We, you know, it's just all all the cards are flying up in the air, man. Yeah. How they're going to show up? <laughs> yes. Is, huh. Well, that's what we're here to deal with, I guess, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> So I am in the coldest room of the house here currently, here, which I ran a uh, heater in. Well, it's in. not used to be the hottest room in there. No, no, I'm in a different room now. I'm not oh, used to I my, see. Okay. My podcasting room is progressively getting packed up, and then the floors will be sanded, and then it will become a completely different room. And I'm getting the problem over the past few months, which hasn't enabled me to record as many stone oats as I want. It's also not enabled me to pack up this room. I've been making ongoing, you know, changes with it, but... Um, I think I I don't think we've recorded a podcast in there for a long time. I've either been using our bedroom or what was historically the guest bedroom, uh, which is now an extension of another one of my wife's sewing rooms. So I currently I'm currently talking to you with a large. I think that might have come up in one of the photos I posted to the Facebook group. But a large like it's it's a huge sewing machine actually. It's about um, four feet long and like two feet wide, plus the table, which is about five feet long. So it's really an industrial sewing machine, which was my wife's birthday gift from me this year. Um, so, yeah, this is where I'm recording from currently. But no, my podcasting room, historically, I've recorded a few short funks in there, but it's just in complete disarray. So I haven't used it for a long time. So, yes, then, and, yeah, my podcasting room is slightly warmer than this room is currently. But I'm certainly in the... Um, Shorter voice point of the recording. Do you have any topics that you want to float just before we end it? No. Very good. Well, uh, maybe next Thursday, depending on how things go. Um, In the well, whatever. Yeah, Thursday. I'll say I'm going Friday morning, I think. So we could record Thursday. We could. That's evening. right. That's right. Thursday. That's right. Because Friday, uh, Friday is the first. Yes. That's right. So I'll be driving on yep. the first. So, yeah, we can do it Thursday or any any other time or Saturday or Sunday, but well, we can't Friday do it night. Saturday, or we could do it Saturday evening. I guess. Well, we could do it any time except Friday. Exactly. <laughs> well, with that in mind, Heron, have a great evening. Well, you know, I have Skype on. No, but that's right. Actually, out in Joshua Tree, my phone doesn't. Don't work. even try it. Yeah, yeah, doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So we'll just work around that somehow. We will. I'll talk to you soon, Heron. Take care. Okay. Bye.